1: Hey everybody, it's Dan. Before we get to today's podcast, let me tell you about Football Insider. If you want access to those exclusive articles you see on cleveland.com slash Browns, you got to sign up for Football Insider. But it's not just that. You also get a daily newsletter that has exclusive content in it, written by our Browns Beat reporters, right to your email inbox every single day. And you get access to our text subscription service, where me, Mary Kay, Scott... Ellis will text you throughout the day with news, updates, analysis, and you get opportunities to be a part of the podcast. Our post-game Zoom shows exclusive to our subscribers. And then also we have a uh, text subscriber on every single week to help us pick NFL games. So Football Insider, it's worth it. Check it out. Go to cleveland.com Browns. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page. Now on to today's podcast. everybody welcome to the tuesday edition of the orange and brown talk podcast i'm dan Lobby, joined by mary kay cabot mary kay how are you
0: i'm doing great today dan how you doing
1: doing well and also as we often are on tuesdays joined by doug Maurice. doug how are you i'm great okay we're gonna do uh five browns questions three fill in the blanks two questions um First of all, let's just talk real quick, though, uh, about the big news of the day. We did spend some time on this on our post-game show, so so we don't need to talk about it for long just because it was more about getting it confirmed. But we do know Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be out uh, for the rest of the season, torn ACL. Kind of knew that was coming yesterday. It was confirmed today. Uh, Mary Kay, I I thought it was interesting to hear some talk about Odell and the energy he brings, the leadership he brings. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, even if I'm sure it's going to become a topic somewhere, you know, is Baker better without Odell? That's going to come up at some point somewhere. I I think there's a lot that he brings to the table, not just on the field, but off that they are going to miss.
0: Well, you're right about that. He is, he has been a very inspirational leader. And then you saw in a game like Dallas, where uh, even if it's not working super well between Baker and Odell, that they can give him enough to do where he can help win the game for you. And he did that there by catching the the pass from Jarvis by scoring. That was an amazing 50-yard uh, reverse for a TD there. And he can do those kinds of things and, and more. So teams have to game plan for him. Defensive coordinators have to think about him. You have to roll extra coverage to him a lot of times. You can't stack the box uh, because of Odell Beckham Jr., Uh, He's a deep threat. He brings a lot of things to the table uh, that they're going to have to find in other ways with other guys on the roster. But the reigning thing that I keep coming back to with Odell, the whole time that he's been here, Baker and Odell just have not meshed. They just haven't been great together in the way that everyone thought they would be. Even Odell thought they would be. It never really materialized. So when I look at this injury, and again, he's going to be out at least nine months due back next summer. I have to wonder, I just have to wonder if Baker and Odell are going to be playing together for this team going forward. And if it even makes sense to try to do that.
1: Doug, didn't you say on the, uh, the post-game show yesterday that we have may have seen Odell Beckham's last game in a Browns uniform?
2: I mean, I, I don't know. It just seems possible to me and and maybe logical with roster building and an injury. And I don't want to talk about it. It, <laughs> it hurts my heart. I don't like to talk about it. It, I, it. I can't believe that it worked out this way for Odell and for the Browns. And the thing of it is, like, I think they're both going to be okay like if this winds up being like one of those mutual breakups where, you know, you thought it was a great pairing, you got set up. It was, it it was, you're perfect for each other. And then it just didn't ever really work. And then this weird, terrible thing happened and you end up going your separate ways. I think Odell will continue to be a very good player in the NFL for a long time. I think the Browns are on the right track. It doesn't, to me, I'm and. I, it feels like this is the end and it stinks. It absolutely stinks. But they'll be okay. Yeah. So, and nobody can control it. This is awful. Guys get hurt. It's sports. It's football. I get it. Guys get awful. It stinks that it happened to this guy on this kind of play. It's, but I just like the idea of why didn't it work? Could it work better? I just think it's out of our hands. And so I, I, do this, I do this in life, I have, a, I have, I have problems, but I constantly <laughs> worry about things that I have no control over. And then I'll be sitting in my house and thinking like, why do I have a knot in my stomach? And so this could give me a knot in my stomach if I let it, but it happened, best of luck to everybody. And I just don't wanna think about it anymore, I'm done.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, I just think back to that night the Browns made that trade I was actually at uh, my son's band concert. I think it was a sixth grade band concert and I uh, get this tweet notification. I'm like, Oh, I got to get out of here. And I just remember that rush. And of course we had fans celebrating in the streets and all these videos going viral. It just represented such a new era for the Browns. And of course there's the Jarvis Odell connection. Uh, and I actually went back and, and read that quote that Odell had after he caught the touchdown from Jarvis in Dallas and, and how much, Um, yeah yeah he caught the touchdown from Jarvis and how much that meant to him um if if you haven't seen the video or read the quote go find it It, it's really great um and now that's that's kind of over so
0: yeah you know what um when I think about Odell Beckham Jr and I've talked to Odell a lot about a lot of different topics uh including the fact that remember last year he told me that this was going to be the best year of his life (laughs) that was uh It was almost like he jinxed it usually he likes to speak things into existence uh but in this particular case uh you know it just turned out to be really a challenging obviously challenging year for him but he wants to leave a legacy he wants to leave his mark on the game he wants to be great he wants to be a lebron james type of larger than life uh kind of athlete he wants to win championships it was never good here between him and, and Baker Mayfield for whatever reason. And you guys remember, I wrote a column right after the very first game in Baltimore, and I could see that they still didn't have it. And I thought, you know what? These two, for whatever reason, just don't have that little magic, that little spark, that little chemistry that even Baker and Richard have together. And I I just, I didn't really necessarily see it getting a whole lot better anytime soon. And that's why I wrote what I wrote back then which seemed premature and early. Uh, But, uh, you know, I said that, you know if they're gonna stay committed to Baker they really should contemplate trading Odell. And having looked back on that now, you know it's just like for Odell's sake probably should have happened one week ago. But uh, it's, it's unfortunate but I agree with Doug. I think they're going to be okay. I think they can get the job accomplished with pieces and parts, even if they don't necessarily trade for a receiver, I think they're going to be all right.
1: Okay. Well, Mary Kay, you said the word, so we're going to move on from this specific topic and we're going to start down our path of five Browns questions slash fill in the blanks. And the very first one is should the Browns trade for a wide receiver? Now, as we have this discussion, just so everyone's on the same page in the 2021 NFL draft, the Browns have their own first, their own second. They have two thirds, two fourths. Uh, they have a fifth, a sixth, and they have the Bills' seventh round pick. Um, there's some, uh, some little things here and there that they could change, like that seventh round pick or whatever, but that, that's their status. So really it's kind of those middle rounds. They have multiple picks after you get past the second round. Would you trade for a wide receiver? No. I'm kind of with you, Doug. I'm with you on that. Mary Kay?
0: Well, you know what? Um, I've been thinking about this a lot today as I'm trying to just sort of process all of this. And as you guys know, I wrote a story last week saying that David Njoku uh, would actually welcome a trade. So I was thinking about this today. I don't, they don't have any plans to trade David Njoku. They, They don't. And now with Odell out, that even seems less likely. However, if something out there makes sense where you could find a receiver and that team needs a tight end and it makes sense that way, I might consider doing that because you do, you do have Austin Hooper coming back from injury. You still have Harrison Bryant, who's doing a great job, and you have Steven Carlson. So I think you can get the tight end position accomplished, and you know you might be able to add to the pile, the receiver pile or even pick up a defender. So I would still consider doing something like that.
2: I just don't know where receiver in general ranks on their list of most important positions. And it feels like tight end is more important to them than receiver. Yes. Hooper's coming back, but I don't know, man. Appendectomies is taking out a part of your body. That, that would make me a little, and I did, I didn't watch a ton of Steven Carlson yesterday, but there definitely was a moment where like a dude missed a block and I was like, Hey, who missed that block? And it was Steven Carlson. So I don't want him to be an answer to anything. So the Hooper thing makes everybody obviously more initially reluctant to do anything with Njoku. I don't know how that's going to work out. I wouldn't want to take away from there to add to receiver. You know, I saw somebody on Twitter was throwing out like, Hey, trade like David Njoku for that Ross guy in, in Cincinnati who stinks. So it's like, guy. Hey, trade for a guy who stinks. Great. That'll fix it for the Browns. I don't know what's that road, but it doesn't feel like Baker Mary Kay. You've made great points about the connection, how you, how a quarterback works with receivers. Some random receiver who like stunk somewhere else or was good somewhere else now is going to come here in the middle of the year and want the ball. Give Baker Jarvis, lots of Jarvis, lots of Rashard Higgins. Kaderil Hodges is back. A little bit of DPJ sprinkled in. I think that is fine. And I think if you go get a receiver, it's possible. Not only does he help you, it makes it worse. Because now he doesn't fit. He doesn't have a connection with Baker. And we're back in the same spot of like just play the guys that Baker knows that he doesn't feel like he has
1: to get the ball to and just go you'll be fine I feel like it's a, a part of knowing who you are and we're going to get into this a little later in the pod kind of where the Browns are and who they are and you know look Baltimore goes out and they trade for Yannick Ngakwe but Baltimore wants to win a Super Bowl now, I'm not saying the Browns like that if they were to back their if they were to make the playoffs and back their way th- through some wins in the in the tournament and make it to the Super Bowl, great. But that's their path, right? They aren't like a true Super Bowl contender. Uh, so, you know, what are you going to give up? What are you going to get back? Is it really worth it? This is a team that doesn't play more than three receivers anyway, uh, and they really even when they play three receivers, they only use two of them. The other one is usually out there mostly as a blocker uh, on a lot of plays. So, I think they can cobble enough together with the schedule they have with Jarvis, with Higgins, with their tight ends. I think Kevin Stefanski and, and his offensive staff can cobble enough together to accomplish what you want to accomplish this year uh, without going out and maybe giving up some of your assets to, uh, to bring in a receiver. Because, you know, look, you might use one of those assets on a receiver in the draft, but you also need a bunch of those because, as we saw yesterday, this defense still needs a lot of help.
2: I, but even if they were a Super Bowl contender, I wouldn't want to trade for a receiver for all the things I said. I don't, I don't think... Go win is go win right now. I get it, but I, I just don't, what's, what's that move? What's the get over the top move that fits the offense and fits the quarterback and fits Kevin Stefanski at receiver. I don't think it's there. There might be a get over the top move on defense though. That feels much more possible to me. Um, but I also agree. Yeah, I do think this cracks. There's a lot of things happening here that crack the door on a highly drafted receiver next spring for the Browns.
0: Yeah. And, and, and as you guys have mentioned, I mean, think about this the caliber of receiver that Odell Beckham Jr. is, he had 23 receptions this season. So it's not like, you know, you're taking some, you've taken somebody out of the lineup that already had seven TDs and 37 catches. Okay. It, it just wasn't happening like that. So I think that's where the notion comes in that they're going to be okay. And they are going to be okay without Odell from a, you know, from a, game by game production standpoint. There were several games where he had two catches, you know, I mean, so I do think you're right. The way that things have been going with this offense, they're relying on the tight ends. They're relying on the running game. They're not using three wides very much when they do. It's going to be a shorter passing game, move the chains, get down into the red zone, throw the ball to your tight ends. And you know, your receivers down there or your you're running backs. There's so much talent on this team in so many other ways that you don't need a superstar receiver to be successful. And Bill Belichick has done it that way for so many years. He didn't always have to have that guy. Now, some offenses sputter without it, right? The Texans are not the same without DeAndre Hopkins, you know? But that's not how it is set up here this year, and I think that they will be fine.
1: Okay, question number two. We're staying on the injury front here. Uh, The Browns obviously are dealing with a lot of injuries. Uh, We're going to take Odell Beckham out of the equation because we haven't really seen what this is going to look like without Odell, but this is a fill in the blank. The injured player the Browns miss the most right now is Nick Chubb. Nick Nick Chubb. Chubb.
0: Grant Delpit. Great answer. Oh, Mary
2: Kay. don't mind Mary Kay. Move <laughs> me away. I went too obvious. Oh, so good.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I really think that they could use uh, Grant. Again, I think they can get the running game accomplished. You know, I always look at it in terms of, can you get the job done without that guy? And I think most teams would be pretty happy to have Kareem Hunt. Now they have run up against some really tough, tough run defenses over over the past few weeks with Nick Chubb out and Kareem Hunt is also playing with basically I don't want to say cracked ribs until they tell us two weeks from now it's cracked ribs but he's when you're playing with a rib injury it's usually either displaced cartilage or a cracked rib so he's got one of those Uh, so he's not himself it's really hard to be a running back with a rib injury he's not talking about it but it hurts Uh, so I think he'll get better. Um, but I think they can get the job done. They haven't really gotten a great job done to this point at safety without Grant. It ruined a lot of what they wanted to do.
1: I'm, I'm really disappointed that you picked Grant Delpit because I'm coming up with these questions. And I'm thinking, oh, I got a good one for this. Nobody's going <laughs> to say this guy. The guy that we haven't even seen play, Grant Delpit. But you know, sort of what what I mentioned earlier with the defensive struggles, if you have Grant Delpit there, I think they had big plans for him beyond just being a safety. We're seeing a little bit of it with Ronnie Harrison, but Grant Delpit was supposed to do something completely different. I think he unlocked a lot of things in this defense. Um, Doug, do you want to make your Nick Chubb case before I, I throw another name out there?
2: Not anymore. You guys made me feel stupid. <laughs> now, I will. I will say this. I think their running game is fine now, but it's not great anymore. And part of it is, yes, the defenses they're facing. But against Cincinnati the first time around, Kareem Hunt had a 74 PFF grade and Nick Chubb had an 86 PFF grade against Cincinnati. This Sunday, Kareem Hunt had a 59 PFF grade against Cincinnati. It's what I said at the beginning. And by the way, Dearness Johnson is not an answer. That we know. I don't care who the defense is. He's not it. They were great. And yes, they're still pretty good, but they're not great without Nick Chubb. And the best version of not just this offense, but this team is is when they have a great, maybe the best in the league running game. And if they're trying to be a playoff team and be a 10-win team and be a team that can win a playoff game, the path to doing that with a defense that has back seven questions, with Baker who looked great but has not been consistent, with Odell out, the path to being a really good team is by being a great running team and without Nick Chubb they are not that that we know so I just think when he's back I think we will see a retransformation, and I think Nick Chubb's value to this team and this roster has gone up in his absence because you realize yeah the running back's a replaceable argument I think there's a lot to that but man this team needs that guy that guy's a dude
0: well you almost have me convinced Doug that you made the better choice there. So you recovered very nicely with that. <laughs> Thank you.
1: Well, that gives me room, though, to throw out as, as a nod to uh, our colleague, Scott Patsko, Wyatt Teller. What? When we talk about the run game and we talk about how good it had been and now how it has sort of struggled, obviously, because of the defenses they face because Nick Chubb is out. You got to look at those Wyatt Teller PFF grades in 85 and week week one as a run blocker an 80 in week three, a 94 in week four, when they rushed for all those yards in Dallas and then a 79 against Indianapolis, but he left that game in the first quarter. Um, This team, I guess kind of surprisingly, misses Wyatt Teller. I think he's a guy that is a big piece of that run game and gets out in front of those running backs and you go see those big runs. Number 77 is right there out in front. He's been a revelation this year. And so since Mary Kay stole my guy, I'll, I'll be the one who throws out Wyatt to make everybody that's, whatever, pounding their phone against the table or whatever. Come on, you guys, Wyatt Teller. I'll, uh, I'll make all of them happy.
2: Which adds to, and everybody knows it, but everything they did offensively and the final drive on Sunday, in the last three quarters on Sunday, they did no OBJ, no Hooper, no Teller, no Chubb. And the offense did what it did and won a game. So just think about OBJ is not coming back, but those other three guys you think are going to be back, that I thought was a major part of why what, what Baker and that offense did was so impressive because these are guys that they were counting on and they found a way without them.
1: Okay. Number three, the player that the Browns need more from is blank. Who do you want to go first? We'll let you go first this time.
0: I'm going to say Olivier Vernon. They need more pass rush. You cannot uh, have Miles be the only one developing the, the pressure. It just can't be that way. You've got to have somebody taking some of the heat off of Miles. They can, so they can't always chip him. They can't always double team him. They need it coming from somewhere else. I say ov.
2: I think I agree with that. Uh, I, Mary Kay, I'm always interested to talk about Vernon with you because I feel like at times I've been – very questioning of vernon and he has been hurt at times he has been a really good player in the past sometimes i think am i too hard on that guy i feel like sometimes i watch him and just like there's too many times snap to snap where it just feels like he's not doing much mm-hmm. and so the fact that you said that about vernon sort of reinforces that to me so i think i would agree with that because i think my answer might be like andrew Dejo, but i don't know if there's any point in wanting more from him because i don't think it's coming I think what happens there is like, if it's somebody else, but the continued what's up with the safeties and, you know, I mean, it's just, I think, I don't know that that's getting solved unless they make a big time safety trade at the deadline. That's not getting solved this year. Is it going to kill them? I don't know if, I don't know that it'll kill them. It's just going to be a nagging issue that Delpit again. That's why that's such a good answer and they can fix it more in the off season, but there's still just there times when it's like, man, just that guy is like he was a step slow to do the thing or he was a step and it's like uh oh, that really hurt if you had a guy who reacted a little quicker you could see how it could really help this team but i'm not sure wishing more from him is going to do anything
0: you know i will say this uh, i i go out and i watch uh, as much practice as i possibly can each week and it's not much i mean we only get to see maybe 15 minutes 20 minutes if we're lucky but one of the things i really enjoy watching Uh, are the uh, defensive linemen, uh, you know, just like going through the bags and just how explosive they look, how powerful they look, how fast they look. And I can kind of get an idea about sort of how a guy is doing and how a guy is feeling. And I haven't seen O.V. going through those bags with much power. And I think I don't know if he's hurt or what, but it sort of looks like what we see on the field the way I see him doing it. And I know he's had an abdomen injury this week, I mean, this season. Uh, So I don't know if if he's just kind of gutting it through, but something doesn't seem right. And it's something we need to explore a little bit.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I thought last year before he got hurt, he was at least making an impact, even if the numbers weren't there. And we're just not, we're not seeing it from him this year. Like you'd expect, I'll throw a guy out there and it's not in a disappointing way. It's just in a, I I want to see more of him and we're starting to see more of him. And I think they're going to need to see more of him. I'm just going to say Ronnie Harrison, Uh, Mm -hmm. partially because of what we said about Delpit. I think that's part of what they saw in him when they made that trade to bring him in. Uh, And what we've seen from him so far, I think has been pretty good. Uh, You know, I I haven't looked up his grades or anything like that, but you know, we're seeing him around the football. We're seeing him get his hands on the football. He had a pick six against Indianapolis Mm -hmm. Uh, We're we're seeing him do some positive things. So I'm not saying this in an underachieving sort of way. I'm just saying this in a, you know, let's keep progressing this forward a little bit and get him on the field more. And maybe when Carl Joseph is healthy, Doug, there goes your Andrew Sandejo problem. Maybe you can put Ronnie Harrison in, in that role and let him play with Carl Joseph, who certainly hasn't been great, but I think you'd at least rather have that pairing.
2: Yeah. I'm very curious. Like there have, the, the parts have been moving in and out a little bit too much to, to get a sense of exactly if they had everybody other than Del Pitt who was possibly available at safety, what's their ideal look at the moment. And I think Dan, it's very possible. You could be right.
1: I'm going to pull up his, his grades here. Uh, I mean, he's graded pretty well on PFF over the uh, 91 against Dallas, a seven and then uh, high seventies in the last two games. So he's, he's certainly done uh, fairly well overall by, by at least their standards.
0: Yeah. And you know what, he brings a, a certain energy to the defense. I mean, he brings a, uh, you know, sort of probably, you know, his, his college mentality, uh, and, a, and a fire that they need back there. Um, and he just seems like a really smart player. And I think as he goes along in this system, he'll get better and better once he gets more comfortable.
1: Okay. Our, uh, our next question here before we take a break and, you know, I think we, uh, I think we're probably gonna all have the same initial answer for this, but that's all right. We'll go ahead with it. Maybe we'll have to dig a little deeper, but the Browns MVP so far is blank. I'll just put it this way. Are either of you not saying Miles Garrett?
0: No. I'm what here. are we
1: nuts? There's not really a case to even make against it. So if Miles Garrett is, uh, I don't know, ruled in eligible for MVP because he's too good I know that doesn't make sense, but we're just making up rules here. Who's next?
0: I I would say Nick Chubb, even though he's missed some games. I I would say that he was uh, on track to be the team's MVP and might even still be able to hold that title, even though he's missed a few games. I mean, he was phenomenal. And uh, I mean, he just seemed like he was even better than last year when he almost won the rushing title. It seemed like he took his game up another level. And uh, I, I think he would have, I don't know. I just think he was just on fire. And I think they really need him back.
2: I don't disagree with any of that. But I I have just changed my opinion so much on this because I was <laughs> it was too numbers based early on when he got here. I just can't think of the Browns and I'm not alone in this. You can't think of them without Jarvis Landry and just what he is and now he's throwing and he's running and he's now throwing now he's gonna be I know it's like the thing Baker set the record for most consecutive completions it's like just give Jarvis like another six years and he'll get to 23 for 23 just take like take as much as OBJ is so fantastic Jarvis feels like the heart and soul of this team and But he's also so productive, and he just fits a little bit with with Baker, it feels like, fits a little bit with the offense better in a lot of ways. And he's playing hurt. It's just – I think there's a lot of on and off the field production and intangible stuff that you could make uh, kind of an MVP case for Jarvis Landry.
1: Jarvis is a guy. He doesn't miss any games. When the Browns brought him in, they gave him $75 million, and he still plays like the same guy he was – you know in Miami just still plays like a guy who hasn't gotten paid yet we'll block anybody we'll do whatever you want him to do we'll crawl off the field and then come back in on the same series Um, yeah I think heart and soul is is a great way to put it let me ask you guys this we always hear this thrown around with Aaron Donald and it's never going to happen because it always goes to a quarterback every now and again a running back should Miles be in the league MVP discussion or is that too lofty right now? I know he's in the defensive player of the year discussion, but should should he be kind of where Aaron Donald sneaks into every now and again? Um, Not not that a defensive player is ever going to win the thing.
2: I saw someone that I follow on Twitter that I respect. I can't remember who it was. I respect him so much. I can't remember who it was. (laughs) Tweeted this week that Miles is having a Mahomes-like season at defensive end. So how do you ever get in that conversation these days, the league MVP conversation with how much of a quarterback league it is? I don't know how you get there, but if there's a way to get there, it's a little bit, I think at this point, like it was with Chase Young at Ohio state last year, like how does a defensive player get in the Heisman conversation? It's really hard, but to do it, this is how you do it. That like miles is if you can, Miles, with the way he's forcing turnovers and changing games and forcing offenses to account for him on every snap, probably not, but he's going to push it, I think, as far as any defensive player can.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think if he continues like this, he will uh, have to make people start to think that way. And I think as we have discussed here uh, today, he's doing it without anybody else taking all of that heat off of him. He is, he's having to do it. I mean, this is why initially uh, they pursued Jadavian Clowney and Nagakaway and guys like that because they knew that they wanted to have uh, that kind of a pass rush and that kind of a bookend type of thing going. And in the end they were like, okay, let's reward Ov for, you know, sticking around and being patient and let's see how this goes. And, you know, we'll worry about this maybe in the off season, uh, but he hasn't had that. He just hasn't had anybody Uh, to really help him out so i think that makes it even more remarkable what he's accomplished
1: yeah i'm curious to see where this goes in like the next let's say three years that that's usually kind of i think what it takes you know you win that defensive player of the year award and maybe you win a couple of them you make some big plays on national tv you know the browns will probably get a bunch of night games again next year Uh, so you make some big plays there and that's when you really start to get that attention. You know, people know you're really good. People know you're putting up these great numbers and impacting games, but then a ton of people start to see it when you're on the biggest stages, you know, maybe get to playoff game this year and you strip sack Patrick Mahomes or something, you know, those are the moments where where you really start to gain that momentum and, and have those, those GIF moments that are all over Twitter for like five minutes. Uh, after somebody makes a huge play like that. Okay, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to try and figure out where exactly to slot the Browns in the AFC. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Doug Lay Maurice. And I've got the AFC standings in front of me. Uh, of course, look, Pittsburgh, the undefeated team in the conference yesterday, they're the only undefeated team left. I'm just curious, this is going to be a little bit of a race. Uh, to, to the playoffs. And the Browns have an edge because they play the Jets, the Giants, Jacksonville, Houston. Uh, you know, I know Philadelphia is getting healthy, but we'll see on them. Uh, I might be leaving somebody out. I don't know, but they've got a very friendly schedule. You know, Las Vegas is a team that we don't quite know what they are, right? Um, so I'm going to just start reading some teams off. And right now the Browns are sixth if the playoffs were to start today. So that means that they would play Tennessee in the first round. They actually play Tennessee in December as well. Um, But I think there's, it's, it's a little messy there in the middle. There's a bunch of teams you can make a case for. So uh, I'm going to start naming off some teams and you guys stop me when I get to one that you, you think, yes, the Browns are definitely ahead of that team, Pittsburgh, Kansas city, Tennessee. Oh, I'm ready for this one. Buffalo. Baltimore. Oh, Doug. I saw a little flinch there. It brought me
2: great joy to watch the Bills <laughs> kick six field goals against the Jets and only score 18 points. Uh, can I, can you come back to me on Buffalo? I, like <laughs> I think that at the beginning of the year, people were like Buffalo's the new it team in the AFC. I think the Browns probably in actuality are closer to Buffalo than we would have thought after the first couple of weeks of the season, but I won't quite pull the trigger there yet.
1: You I, know what? I think it depends on, sorry, America. I think it depends on if you believe Buffalo is more Tennessee or more Indianapolis, right? <laughs> if, if they're more at that level or if they're kind of more in the, in the middle.
0: Teams really start to show who they are starting around now, around the midpoint of the season. If you haven't suffered catastrophic injuries to your super key players, like your best pass rusher or your quarterback, and your team is pretty much intact. You start to really show who you are around November, mid November. And, you know, are the bills starting to, you know, show who they really are a little bit is, is Josh Allen coming back to the pack a little bit? People are, uh, you know, trying to play him a certain way, or he's kind of falling apart at the seams or whatever. Uh, So I don't know. I mean, I, I think, uh, over the next couple of weeks, the Browns, we might be able to say that, yeah, they're better.
2: The Browns are in a much tougher division than Buffalo, which I don't think anybody, the Patriots are not the Patriots anymore. The Steelers and Ravens still are the Steelers and Ravens. I am working on a piece because I'm so tired of people saying, well, why, wait, wait, wait till they beat somebody good. Why haven't they beaten anybody good yet? So I've redone the NFL standings and the AFC standings based only on your record against good teams. And I called good teams anybody with zero or one loss. There's only seven good teams because that's all anybody says when the Browns win. Do they beat anybody good? Both the Browns and Buffalo are 0-2 against good teams. So if you're waiting for the Browns to do it, then you better be waiting for the Bills to do it.
1: Doug, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. You might need a hobby.
2: (laughs) Wait, screaming on podcasts is
1: my hobby. I just happen
2: to also get paid for it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right uh let's see baltimore nobody's gonna stop me with baltimore right okay uh and the browns beat indianapolis i don't think we're gonna have that discussion right now i'm not blown away by indianapolis their defense is better i don't trust their offense um no. are they do we put them on the same level or the browns ahead of indianapolis where do you, i guess that's that's kind of the discussion browns
0: are, browns are better it's kind of browns
2: I think Indianapolis is probably better actually than they showed against the Browns on that day. But I agree with Barry Kay. I think the Browns are still a better team week to week.
1: Okay. This one's interesting. And this is one of the teams to keep an eye on. If you're, if you're watching the playoff chase here over the rest of the year, Miami with Tua. Don't mm. put the Browns ahead of Miami just because I don't really know who the dolphins are, especially now that they're going to Tua.
2: There's a a, right now is the time for everybody to love Miami the most because Tua hasn't made a mistake yet because he hasn't had a chance to play. So you know who's better than Tua, Joe Burrow. You know who still sometimes makes rookie mistakes that are like, man, he's going to stop doing that next year is Joe (laughs) Burrow. So Joe Burrow is about as good as a rookie quarterback could look. And Fitzmagic was winning them the guy. Of course, I love this move. They have to go to this, but also like if you think there's only upside. To Tua, that like hey they're three and three but now that Tua's is here now Miami's going to win 10 games it's like he's going to screw some stuff up too so I would not put Miami with Tua ahead of the Browns
0: me neither not at this point yeah. and I just need to say something about Joe Burrow real super quick I thought it was remarkable for him to do what he did with losing his starting left tackle and his starting center remember right before the they had to settle for that field goal he dropped, the, he dropped the snap and had to pick it up and, and he was late throwing the ball and Denzel broke it up to AJ. I thought what he did was absolutely incredible. And I think it sets up it for Baker and for the Browns and for quarterback play in the AFC North after this year, if that Bengals team gets it together.
1: I, I thought the throw he made, was it to Tyler Boyd, the touchdown pass after he took the sack? Yes. That, that throw he made was so impressive in that moment because that's, that's the kind of sack that makes you settle for a field goal. And this was not a game yeah. where you could settle for field goals and for him to Great. throw that ball into traffic. And, yeah. you know, whether it was actually a touchdown or it should have been put at the one inch line or whatever. I mean, that, that's the kind of, we talked about it with Baker yesterday. That's kind of big boy throw that you look at and say, okay, wow. In that moment, after what happened before it, that's those are the 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 things that kind of make you stop um I'm gonna be honest I don't know how I feel about the Las Vegas Raiders and we're gonna get an answer to this question on Sunday so do do we even need to answer the Las Vegas Cleveland question right now because we're gonna know on Sunday aren't we
0: yeah we're gonna have a better idea on Sunday my gut instinct is that the Browns are better, but I don't know even why I'm really necessarily saying that. I haven't really studied them all that much yet. I just, it's just a gut feeling at this point. I've seen a a little bit, Um, but I don't know. My my gut tells me that I think it's probably because their defense isn't that good. I think the Browns are better.
2: It's weird that they beat the Chiefs. It's like, I can't, can you imagine the, the, I think the Browns are having a great year. They're five and two. I cannot fathom a world in which the Browns would beat the Chiefs right now. So the idea that the Raiders beat the Chiefs is like, whoa, mama. But yes, Dan, we're going to get the answer. But I think it's a reminder to people of that this is kind of a big game for like this could be for wild card positioning and that kind of thing. They've had a big game because they've really only played one team in the middle. Because I also have my bad game standings and the four and zero the Browns are four and zero against bad teams. They've, the culture, are like the only game in the middle. They they've lost to two great teams and they beat four bad teams. If that's how you want to play this game, but that but that was a big win against the Colts, and that may come back. That may end up being very important down the road when we get to weeks fifteen and sixteen and seventeen. And this Raiders game falls right in the same thing, Dan. But you're right. It doesn't matter what we think, because they're going to prove it. But it it this is a big one Sunday.
1: The Raiders are just so weird. And I pulled up their schedule here, too. I mean, you know, they, they beat the Panthers opening week. The Panthers are a different team now, uh, but, you know, they're, they're a good football team. They beat the Saints, uh, who are playing better. Again, though, that was sort of a weird time when everybody was questioning Drew Brees' arm. And then they have that win over the Chiefs, but they've also lost to, uh, you know, they lost to the Bills by seven you know, against the box, it was funny, you know, Mary Kay, when I was leaving the stadium yesterday, you asked me how that game was going between the Raiders and uh, the, the Raiders and the Bucks. I said, mm-hmm. Oh, it's 24, 20. It's a pretty good game. I get back to the hotel. It was like four, it was 45, 20 on the, the box. had just blown it open. So uh, that, that game got out of hand in a hurry. So they're, they're just a really weird team. It might just depend on which, uh, which Raiders team actually shows up on Sunday. Uh, Against the Browns. Okay, let me pull up our next team here. We're running out of teams. This one's intriguing to me. The Chargers. Mm. They're two and four. One of their losses was that weird game against the Saints. One of those, hey, Justin Herbert, this is what it's like to play for the Chargers losses. I think their pass rush is still really good. and I know they're injured. I, I know their defense has injuries. Uh, you know, they're getting a little healthier on the offensive side. Justin Herbert looks like he might be the real deal for them or at least, you know, a guy you sort of like the Browns with Baker Mayfield, the guy you're going to keep trying to figure out and, and find out about. Where are the Browns as far as the Chargers are
0: concerned? Because this is one we won't get to see. I'm still going to say Browns are better. And part of the reason I i probably say that is because, you know, Miles sort of transcends a lot of things right now. He's so good and can, you know, wreck the game uh, in so many cases. So that's the X factor for me in a lot of these. I'm still going to say the Browns.
2: I think Joey Bosa is very similar, that kind of player for the Chargers to what Miles is for the Browns. I think they're actually, you know, I think probably overall the Chargers defense maybe is a little bit better. Um, but I do think this is one of these, again, I don't want to fall into the rookie quarterback trap because you know who everybody loved as a rookie quarterback, Baker Mayfield. So sometimes you come out to the point that Mary Kay is making about you learn over the course of a season, right? So Burrow is awesome. I think Burrow might be different. Like the the idea of like, Hey, Burrow is going to be good. It's like, no, he's not. He is good. He's good right now. He's here. Herbert and Tua, listen, Herbert's doing some amazing things. But from afar, I think it would be easy to be like, "Wow, he's awesome." They have the better quarterback, Chargers. But we don't watch it every day. He's rookie. He's gonna, and teams are gonna figure some stuff out. So, uh, I I think the Chargers are better than their record. But I agree with Mary Kay. I would still take the Browns.
1: So they're two wins since we Doug, This is right in right in line with your uh, your Let point. Me. Their two wins are against the Bengals in Week One, and the Jaguars yesterday. And, you know, I feel bad saying, oh, you know, is this two and four team even with the five and two Browns? But I mean, you should that's feel bad. Sort of, you should feel bad. We're no, having, you should right? feel bad. I actually think they're, I think they might be close. I, I don't know. I'm going to put them, hmm. I, I would put, if, if you made me pick somebody, I would say the Browns are ahead of them because they are five and two. They have won games that the Chargers haven't. Um, but I, I think they might be, I think if they played each other, think it would be a really close game um denver no have uh, you seen drew lock <laughs> <laughs> how are you feeling about new england the cam newton led new england patriots i'm just throwing this one out there because for the first time and i don't know how long i think we could say it's the browns right now
0: yeah i would say, i would say the browns cam's been really inconsistent um i i would at this moment, I would say the Browns, especially since they have, uh, as we mentioned, some guys getting back healthy. Nick Chubb. Now, obviously, they are without Odell, but I, I think I'm still, I think I'm still saying Browns there.
2: No doubt about it. Browns have better skill guys. Patriots had a lot of guys opt out. They're missing yeah. some dudes. Like I, I
1: think the Browns would win that game for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. So I mean, we're you know we're not going to talk about Cincinnati and the Jets and Jacksonville and Houston, uh, but really, I mean, what we've kind of come up with is the Browns are in this area with Indianapolis, Miami, Las Vegas, the chargers. So yep. the, there's like five teams. And you could make the case that the Browns are maybe the best of that group. Well, we'll see how it plays out. But the, I mean, those are sort of the five teams that I think are going to fight out for these probably last two AFC playoff spots. Um, and the Browns
2: A great year for this, this extra playoff spot. I mean, this is, yeah. you guys all knew it. I think the minute it was announced, you guys like, This is great for the Browns, but that's, Dan, it feels like that's right in that range. That's what you're saying, right? That's where they're going to be fighting for.
1: And, you know, look, with their schedule and, you know, that five and two start, you know, Mary Kay, you you mentioned it, teams kind of figure out who they are in November. Mm -hmm. And and I've always thought that the playoff race really starts, you know, Thanksgiving weekend or right out, you know, the week after Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving, those last four weeks in December. And what the Browns have done is given themselves a head start. They're five and two. The chargers are two and four so even if the chargers are as good as the browns they're what is that two and a half games behind the browns right now so you've given yourself the inside lane on this race to uh to the end of december and the schedule is certainly going to help the browns out uh, along the way
2: let me put a statistical bow on this because just so people can get this last thing in their head so i'm looking at the football outsiders playoff odds Listen, the Bills are going to win their division. The Chiefs are going to win their division. The Titans are going to win their division. So, like, that doesn't even matter to the Browns. Those are three teams the Browns can't do anything about. And then the Ravens and Steelers are both going to make it. One is a wild card. One is a division winner. So those are five of your seven playoff teams. That's it. Those five are, like, locked in. And then the Browns are fighting with everybody else. And according to the Football Outsiders odds, Indianapolis is sixth in playoff odds in the AFC with a 73% chance. And the Browns are seventh in the AFC playoff odds with a 62% chance. And then everybody else you're talking about is like, you're talking about Miami. You're talking about the Raiders. You're talking about the chargers, but you know, just don't worry about those top five. You're not in that group, but I think you could make a very strong argument when you're talking about spot six and seven, that the Browns are at the top of the group that is fighting for those last two spots
1: it's going to be interesting to see how these next few weeks play out. I think the Browns have winnable games against teams that are intriguing. Um, Las Vegas is one of them. You know, again, if Philadelphia is healthier, I think they're more intriguing than their record indicates, but these are all teams that the Browns, if they are a playoff team, should be able to, uh, they should be able to win more of those games uh, than they lose. Okay.
0: Okay. That's why yesterday Baker Mayfield taking over with 106 left, no timeouts remaining, how vitally important it was for him to pull off a miracle, almost a miracle, and go down there and win that football game. That was huge.
1: Yep. You got to win them, right? They just count up the wins at the end. They don't count up how they look. All right. That'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Check out Football Insider. Go to cleveland.com slash browns and click on the blue banner at the top of the page. And Doug, uh, do you know the topics? Forgot to watch the tape yet?
2: I know that we are going to delve into how they go about replacing OBJ in this offense. Ellis Williams is going to d- dig into some film stuff around Richard Higgins and guys like that. And Scott Pascoe is going to recheck in on the linebacker core, which we've all been talking about over the course of this season. Who are the best guys that should be out there? What are the problems? What are the fixes? Is it okay if they're just average? So I think that's what we'll hit on Tuesday.
1: Okay, so check that out on Tuesday. We'll have our daily pods throughout the week. Uh, Terry will be on Wednesday's podcast. And of course, we will clean up the carnage of our picks on Mm. Friday when we do our Friday picks. (laughs) Have
2: have we discussed this yet? Cody Parkey. Thanks, Cody. (laughs) And and there are people out there listening to this who celebrated the Browns miracle comeback and then watched their Browns minus 3.5 vanish with a poof. Of a mixed extra point. So I am sorry, betters of Cleveland, that Cody Parkey blew your miracle Browns cover.
0: Yes. Dan and I did talk about that last night when when my other game, the Seattle Seahawks, were about to uh, win and cover over the Cardinals and then had a field goal taken off the board by a penalty, a 52-yard field goal. And it was game over. And then it just all went to hell in a handbag. So I had a horrible week. But with <laughs> fake money, imagine the people who bet real money.
1: How do people bet? I can't believe people do it. It rips your heart out. Um. Well, if you're betting real money, I think you should know by now that Joey covers, always covers, even <laughs> if it was Cody Parkey's fault. It was because Joe Burrow was standing over on that sideline. All right, for Tug and I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.